Yo, what up, everybody? How we doing? Today, we're going to talk about goofy people that bring their dogs to work, TJ Holmes and how he thought he could fuck a white woman on national TV, and finally, my review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever on this episode of Cultured. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Cultured, my uh, podcast about pop culture and black stuff. Um, it's been a while. Um, I've been working. I've been I've been apologizing for the five of you that have been looking forward to each episode to come out every week. But now I'm on a two week hiatus because of the holidays. So I'm here. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel, like this video, comment below uh, on something that you might have heard in this episode that you might agree with or disagree with. I'm open to the discourse, or maybe you just want to say hello. Go ahead and do that. Hit the bell uh, for um, to be notified when there's a new video up. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. At Keenan J. Floyd, K-E-N-A-N-J-F-L-O-Y-D. Also on Twitter, same, Keenan J. Floyd. Um, 2023 is a big year for me. It marks my 20th anniversary of starting stand-up comedy. I started in April of 2003, and I want to celebrate. So I've decided that I will be recording an album here in Los Angeles at the end of the year, but I will be trying to go across the country, different cities, all, all over this United States of America, to share my gift of comedy with everyone that I can. So if you want, you can go to my website, uh, Keenan Jerome Floyd. I will put a uh, I will put a link below um, in the comment section so that you guys can keep abreast. And see when you can get your tickets for the Vicennial Millennial Comedy Tour. Vicennial, which means 20, 20 years. Millennial, because I was born in the 80s. And uh, comedy, because that's what it's all about. Uh, our first show is actually going to be January 27th at the Elbow Room in West Hartford, Connecticut. That is January 27th. 
the Elbow Room and Tap Room in West Hartford, Connecticut. The information will be below in the description. Also, there will be a link to the Eventbrite so that you can purchase your tickets whenever you see fit. But again, January 27th, the Elbow Room um, in West Hartford, Connecticut will be my first stop. I mean, we're going to do, we're going to do like pre preliminary little shows and stuff leading up until the main tour, which will probably happen mid 2023 going into 2024. But the album will be recorded at the end of 2023. Very much looking forward to that. Um, I've been working on this material for 20 years. Let's see how it goes. So like I mentioned, I'm on hiatus. I am on a two-week break from my job. I work in visual effects on movies and television shows. I work in the tech sector, IT, system administrator. It's a lot of long hours, 70 hours a week, 10 hours a day, sometimes 12. Um, you know, these studios are pumping out content all the time. They, they have to to be able to make... Uh, ends meet. They have to, to be able to make back their investment, especially Disney. Disney has spent billions of dollars on different companies like 20th Century Fox, um, Marvel, uh, Star Wars, etc. And they have to keep it going to fill the surplus that's needed for Disney+. And that means constantly working on projects. All of these projects require some sort of visual effects. We've been working on The Color Purple, which is a remake. I didn't know The Color Purple had needed that many digital effects. That's crazy. Tyler Perry was not involved in this movie. But here we are. Off. I'm going to pump out as many episodes as I can during this two-week period. There's a lot of things I'm trying to do during this two-week period. I'm trying to get a head start and going back to the gym. I'm going to be eating healthier when I don't feel like eating something delicious. And um, just trying to make it happen. I got my morning tea. So hopefully this will help with the cleanse. Before we left for work, before we left for vacation, rather, uh, one of our accountant ladies came out and she said, Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, happy Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa, Keenan. Uh, I hope everyone has a good new year. I will see you all next year. And she left, right? Now, I'm usually the only black person that's seen at these offices. I don't know why I go into the office. Um, but I'm usually the only black person. So sometimes, you know, stuff is... Yeah, I do acknowledge Kwanzaa. I do. I, I, definitely, I definitely post each... Um, I definitely post each day and what they mean um i i think the idea of kwanzaa is very intriguing how it is an african-american holiday that was started in 1966 um and i i do think it can definitely become something i i think it needs to become more of a cultural i think it needs to become have more culture cultural importance in my opinion uh, because, you know, every time we come up with like a holiday, people are like, well, you know, Kwanzaa isn't real. You know, Juneteenth isn't well. Well, neither are the other holidays, bitch. Like every other holiday was made up by somebody. Um, like, for example, Christmas. 
Christmas is a winter solstice holiday. It has nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus was actually born in October because if you actually do the math, when he died, he was 33 and a half years old. So if you do the math, you'll see that he couldn't have been born on December 25th because that doesn't coincide with the time that he actually died. Anyway. I hope everyone has happy Kwanzaa. That's the point I'm trying to make. But ironically, after that happened, uh, one of my other co-workers, when she sat there and left, I was like, oh, she said happy Kwanzaa to me. And he said, you know, this reminds me of something. And he showed me a clip of Donald Glover telling a joke about him having sex with the Armenian girl. And she told him to fuck her with his N-word dick. I don't know what relationship that had with this white woman saying happy Kwanzaa to me. Or whatever, but basically, I just think that he thinks he fantasizes about me hooking up with Chelsea. Can we talk about how goofy it is for people to bring their dogs to work? I this is this is a this is a concept. This is a concept that I don't understand bringing your dog to work especially when it's not announced in the interview like if you're if you have an office where people bring their dogs to work or their hamsters or lizards or fish like if it's a pet friendly office say that in the interview like when you're interviewing people be like yo by the way uh this is a uh, pet friendly office if you have allergies to pets don't work here. Like, I would respect that. Don't just assume everybody's cool with dogs. Don't do that. Don't assume, because it's going to get, like, as a, as a black person that works in an office, in a corporate setting, you always have to be on your P's and Q's. You can't talk too loud. You, you have to be careful about the jokes you tell. You have to be careful of how long you look at a person. Because people get uncomfortable. But on top of that, too, you're going to add to the mix that I have to also give a fuck about your dog. Because when people bring their dogs to work, this is what they do. They bring their dogs to work, and then they want to introduce the dog to everybody. So they're going around shoving dogs in people's faces. Like, oh, this is this is Magdalene. Uh, she's, a, she's a Yorkie. And her moon sign is Capricorn. And her horizon is Aries. Like, get that stupid dog out of my face. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to not get fired. I don't... You have the privilege of doing whatever you want and not suffering the consequences. I'm trying to keep my job. And you're shoving a fucking French bulldog in my face. I feel like it's a test. I feel like it's a test when they're trying to see, well, let's see if uh, Keenan is down with, with with the company. Let's see if he wants to be a part of the family. No, nigga. I just want to get my paycheck and go home. You know, all the time, co-workers, you know, we're a family, and they try to get us to do shit after work. After I've worked 10 hours a day, they're like, well, you want to <laughs> go axe throwing with us? No. You want to go out and have some drinks with us? No. I don't trust y'all when you're sober. 
So they bring their dogs to work. And it's okay. I mean, I like dogs. It's fine. Unless there's too many dogs. Sometimes there's too many dogs. Because the office isn't that big. So that'll be like three or four dogs. And I'm not allergic to dogs, but I'm allergic when there's dogs at my job. Like, I don't know what it is about me trying to, like, make money and then, like, a dog is, like, under my feet. I don't... I don't know why it, like, fucks up my allergies. But when I'm trying to make money and there's, like, a dog around, it, like... It, like, messes with my sinuses. I don't know what it is. It makes me, like... It makes me, like, break out in hives. The worst part about people bringing their dogs to work is that it shows that they're capable of treating other human beings, or other living beings, rather, with dignity. So it makes a person that's treated badly at work feel real fucked up. Because, like, what happened is you'll come into the office and people won't even speak, you know? They'll give you, like, one of those awkward, like, head nods, you know, one of those, like, half smiles, like, where they're, like, and they give you, like, a head nod. They don't, like, actually say hello or anything like that. But then the Pomeranian will walk in, and they'll have a whole conversation with this bitch. They'll be like, oh, look at you. Hello. Oh, look, the CEO of the company is here. Oh, the new sheriff is in town. Oh, look, you're just so cute. Oh, you want something to eat? You want to go and have a snack? You, How are you today? What did you do last night? How's the wife and kids? It's like, nigga, why? You're having a whole conversation with this, and this dog, the dog might understand what you're saying, but the dog don't give a fuck. Like, the dog is looking at you in the face, and he's like, shut the fuck up. And give me a treat, bitch. Like, stop, like, stop talking. Like, I don't want to talk. Stop talking to me. Like, the dogs that come into work, they don't want to be there. They're like, I'm a dog. Why am I here? I don't pay bills. You pay bills. I'm not going to, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sleep. I'm gonna walk, and when people and, and I'm not going to ignore everybody and, and unless someone has snacks, and then I'm gonna go and uh, I'm gonna go over here and see if I can get some snacks or if they drop something. But I don't give a fuck about this job. I'm gonna show you how much I don't give a fuck about this job. I'm gonna go in the middle of the office pool floor and take a piss, and you're gonna have to clean it up and apologize to everybody. Because I decided to take a shit in the middle of the office floor. Someone's going to step in it, but they're not allowed. They're not allowed to be uh, mad about it because this is a dog-friendly office, motherfucker. That's what it's like when they bring dogs into the office. What type of privilege is that to be able to bring a dog? I would never bring a dog. To the office. I'm. I'm just trying. I'm. You know, because people. You know, people at the office. They be acting weird anyway. Can you? Could you imagine? 
Could you imagine if I brought like a Wattweiler to the office, like a like a full grown Rottweiler, and I'm walking around shoving it in white people's faces? It has a metal. It has like a fucking chain link chain on it. And I'd be like, "Hello, everyone. This is Roscoe. This is Roscoe. Say hello to Roscoe. My dog's gonna hate white people, so it's gonna be a problem. Everyone, tell this is Roscoe. Give him a kiss." Bring a pit bull to the office. Hey everyone, this is Janine. This is your, give Janine, give Janine a kiss. Janine, go into the go into the accountant office and say hello to the ladies. Bet you they'll change the policy then. It's like when a bunch of black folks get guns. Like, oh shit, we need to get some gun control. If I started bringing dogs, like black dogs, into the office. They would be like, all right, guys, an email would go out immediately. They'd be like, no dogs in the office. <laughs> and then people would bring their dogs to the office. White people would bring their dogs to the office anyway. It's funny because if someone brought their child to the office, it would be weird. Like it would be like like if like you could bring a dog to the office and people would be like, oh shit it's a dog that's cool but if you brought like a child to the office that whole office would freeze they'd be like like if you're working and this and a toddler just like walks past your cubicle you'd be like who the fuck's baby is that there's a goddamn baby in the office who who approved this I I can't get sick. There's a fucking baby. Babies get people sick. Who had the gall to bring a fucking baby to work? I went to the office one day and uh, there was a human bull. From the commissary on the floor with water in it. And then I went to the office the next day and the bowl was not on the floor anymore. Which means I don't know where the bowl is. I mean, I know it's back in the cupboard. But I don't know which, because all the bowls look alike. I don't know which bowl had a fucking dog snout in it. So I no longer eat cereal at the office. I should probably stop using the utensils as well. Huh. So speaking of dogs in the office, um, I've been following this saga of TJ Holmes and Amy Roebuck. Now, if you don't know who they are, they were on Good Morning America, I believe. Good Morning America. It's a it's a black. Um, I mean, I mean. I mean, T.J. Holmes is black, but, but, you know, he's, he's one of those. <sighs> T.J. Holmes is Trevor from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I don't know if y'all remember Trevor from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but he was Hillary's fiance, Hillary Banks's fiance. He's the one that bungee jumped. While proposing to Hillary on the news, and then he smacked it through the rocks and died. 
So he's like one of those type of white guys. Like he's from Arkansas. Um, you know, he's very like, he's very welcome to the news type of nice smile, nice jawline. Very handsome, very handsome uh, black man. He was with CNN. Um, you know, he was on BET. Um, what did he do on BET? He was the host of an original series, Don't Sleep on BET. Man, I need to watch that shit. Holmes will deliver smart, biting social commentary on significant issues important to the black community. That's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. That's how I need to describe this podcast because Don't Sleep with TJ Holmes was canceled. That's how I need to. Cultured. Keenan Jerome Floyd will deliver smart, biting social commentary on significant issues and point to the black community. That's me. BET canceled it, though. See, BET don't really give a fuck about good content. They be canceling bullshit. So then, um, let's see here. So he was on Good Morning America. He was on Good Morning America. And he was married. He's married. He uh, he uh, was married to uh, a, a wife. I mean, he had already been married before. He married a woman. They got divorced. Then, you know, they had two kids. Then he married an attorney. Um, and then he started fucking his white co-worker. Co-anchor, rather. On ABC News. And... He's one of the guys that have been so successful in his life. He's basically thinking, why would I not be able to have sex with my coworker, my white, beautiful coworker, um, and not be able to get away with it? I first of all, I'm a handsome black man. I got a fucking jawline. I got a jaw I got like a Jay Leno jawline. I have a nice smile. I'm tall, I'm light skinned. She likes me back, you know? I was for it. I was I was like, go ahead, brother. I was like, you do your thing. Get your snow queen and make and they were open and they did not give a fuck. Like they were open. It's like an episode of the morning show. I don't know if you've seen the morning show. Um with Jennifer Anderson, Reese Witherspoon. Most straight men don't watch the show, but I do. I actually don't know why I watch the show. The show actually annoys me. But um, it's kind of like there's a lot of drama. The show's basically about a lot of drama that goes on in morning news. I didn't know there was so much drama in morning news. Like when I watched, used to watch like today's show in Good Morning America, I didn't know, I didn't know it was so hot. First of all, I didn't know that those news anchors made so much money. Those news anchors make a lot of money. A lot of money. Eight figures. And they get to go places. They get to hang out with the Obamas. They get to go to the White House. They get to be on Ellen. They get to wear, like, nice suits and shit. 
they get to fuck each other. So this guy, he's pictures are taken of him. Paparazzi pictures are taken of him with Amy Robach. They're like out on some vacation, and at first you're like, oh, they're just traveling together. But then he like grabs her ass on camera, and you're like, oh shit, they fucking. And then it becomes a big deal. And at first, ABC News just let it go. They just let it go. They say, you know what? They're two consenting adults. It's okay or whatever, right? And then it turns out that this dude, TJ Holmes, is fucking a lot of people on the staff. White women. Then they fired him or they let him go. Amy Roebuck, she left, but then she came back. She's allowed to be on the news because, again, it's not her fault. This guy shit where he ate. Which is something very important. It's something very important to keep in mind. Don't let pussy get in the way of the bag. Especially when you black. I mean, the thing about it is, is that I believe this is America. I believe this is a free country. But at the same time, I also believe that this is America. And I also believe that it's not... There's unspoken rules that have been set up. And obviously... If you don't follow them, you're going to pay the consequences. And we've seen that already. We've seen that with things that people say, you know, especially things that black men say. And if it's not uh, approved by the status quo, then they try to discredit them or destroy their reputation. Right. So in this case, even though they're not necessarily trying to destroy T.J. Holmes reputation and keep in mind, T.J. Holmes, he's separate. He's divorcing his wife and he's going to and the Amy, the woman he's fucking. She divorced his husband. Apparently, they're going to continue their conversation, their uh, relationship. So that's good for them. But at the same time, it's like they they can't let you as a black man. They're not going to let you be on the news while you're fucking while you're winning. You understand what I'm saying? While you're actually getting away with fucking a white woman that America. I don't know. I've never heard of her, but apparently, America loves this woman. You're not going to be able to get away with that. I don't talk to white women at my job. I keep it brief. Because I don't want no misunderstandings. But at the same time, I'm not TJ Holmes. So my situation is a little bit different. But I think he got too cocky. He got too cocky uh, in more ways than one. And he fucked up. I mean, I don't, I'm sure he's going to eventually be able to come back. I mean, I'm sure after everything, because he, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong legally. I mean, he cheated on his wife, which is morally wrong, but he didn't do anything wrong, like, against the law, you know? And I'm sure he has plenty of money. But it's like, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, don't don't forget who makes the rules. It's like you can't you can't just bang a white woman on national TV all up in our faces. We're not ready for that as a country. Not main not the mainstream. They're not ready for that. A, a black man that's winning. And he's also 
fucking a white woman that y'all like in your face? We're not ready for that. I mean, people are still getting used to uh, fucking Geico commercials with interracial couples. And it's usually these insurance commercials. It's usually a white guy with uh, with a black wife. It's not the other way around. So they're not used. They're not ready. They're not ready for a handsome black man to be fucking a white woman in your face. Nah, man. By the time this episode comes out, this story is going to be over anyway. We've moved on. You know, we've moved on to Elon Musk and Twitter at this point. So, but, uh, yeah, I wish them the best in their relationship. I hope, um, TJ doesn't cheat on Amy on his snow queen. Uh, but if he does, I am ready for this good morning affair. Uh, By the time this comes out, the movie has already been out. I am. I would like to review the greatest gang-related feature film since Boys in the Hood and the greatest interracial romance film since Bronx Tale that I've ever seen in my life. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Now, I saw this four times its opening weekend. So I saw it Thursday. Um, I saw it Thursday in IMAX. I saw it Friday twice in the same day because I went with a friend of mine. And then this girl wanted to go, but I didn't want to turn her down. So I went with her immediately after I saw it with my friend. So I went to see it with my friend. Now, keep in mind, this movie's almost three hours. Two hours, four Five minutes. So I went to see it with my friend. Uh, then I went to see it uh, immediately afterwards with this girl. And then on Sunday, I went to see it with another friend. So I saw it four times in one weekend. And my opinion of it changed over the course of that weekend as I watched it. Um, now, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review. If you haven't seen, come on, guys, it's been like a month and a few days since the movie's been out. If you haven't seen Black Panther Wakanda Forever yet, it means you're racist. So anyway, so Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the sequel to Black Panther. Now, when the first Black Panther came out, I saw it a bunch of times, too. I was living in New York at the time, and I saw it a bunch of times, too, and... It was a great, I enjoyed it all the times that I saw it. I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed Michael B. Jordan, Chadwick Boseman, um, Letitia Wright, Angela Bassett, uh, Lupita Nyong'o with her thick ass self. Um, uh, what's her name? Denny Guerrera. I think that's Raymond Winston Duke. I very much enjoyed the first film. And I had actually forgotten how much I had enjoyed the film. Because, first of all, Black Panther 
is definitely a movie to see with a crowd. It's a it's a great film. It's a great film to see with a crowd, uh, especially a black crowd. Because keep in mind, the reason it's the reason it's one of the the reason it's one of the most successful black films is because it was something that we really hadn't seen before. Um, there's that concept of Afrofuturism that a lot of black people, you know, black nerds have been uh, abreast with for years. Um, you know, there was the concept of a black superhero that we hadn't seen since uh, Blade, to be honest with you. Because we had Meteor Man, Blank Man, Spawn, and Blade. And we ne on film, we never really got a chance to see majesty of a black nation. Right? Because back in the day, anytime there was any type of story about black royalty, it was played by white people. I mean, they made movies like Cleopatra and stuff. You know, I, I know Cleopatra was Greek and all that shit, but I mean, it was like Elizabeth Taylor or, or you had the gods of Egypt and it's like Gerard, Gerald Butler is tan or Matt Damon's in it or whatever, right? So we actually never got a chance to see a middle African kingdom really being shown on screen. Um, and coming off of like Woman King, there wasn't necessarily a lot of people that went to see Woman King per se, but it was like in line with, oh, this is like stuff that we kind of that we kind of want to see, right? So Black Panther, well, Woman King came out this year. I'm like confusing too, but the first Black Panther was really the first time where we actually got a chance to see that Majesty. Like it was almost it was almost like when Obama was elected president for the first time. You, you had a lot of older black people who were around during the civil rights movement that saw the previous for Black Panther. Like, I want to go see that. Because it almost felt like this is, the, this is what I marched for. The opportunity for me, myself, my kids, my grandkids to be able to see how great black people could actually be without the subterfuge of colonialism and, and, and corruption and drugs and violence and all that shit, right? So, so many black people went to see Black Panther because of what it meant to us, right? And I had forgotten for a while until I went to the Hollywood Bowl and I actually saw Black Panther in concert. And I had forgotten how magnificent this film was until I watched the orchestra play the music and the film on screen and how everybody, thousands of people, 10,000 people in the audience reacted to this film white people too everybody everybody loved the film and i was like oh wait this is actually not even like as a marvel film or a superhero film but this is a good movie in general so the anticipation for black panther wakanda forever was high to say the least right so i went to see opening night and for the most part i enjoyed it but there were some things about the film that annoyed me, and I'll get to that in a minute. But basically what happens in the movie is at the beginning, they address Chadwick Boseman's death through the death of T'Challa, 
right? And it has the whole thing where Shuri, played by Letitia Wright, is trying to come up with a or a cure for some unknown disease that T'Challa has, and he's dying. He's actively dying at the moment. She's like, I need to recreate the heart shaped herb. Because Killmonger destroyed the herb, I need to recreate it so that he can give him the strength so that he can heal, right? So, she's trying to create this synthetic herb in this 3D printer, and but she's not finding the right combination. She's not finding the right uh, chemical compound to be able to put it together. And by the time she somewhat decides to print it, her brother dies. So, they have the whole funeral procession at the beginning. Everyone's in white. They do the whole thing where he's, they have, like, this sleek jet black casket with the Black Panther sign, the Black Panther emblem on the front. And they have this emotional farewell to Chagwa Bozeman, a.k.a. T'Challa, where they raise the casket up, and then they raise the casket up into a ship, and then they take off. I don't know where they dropped the casket. I don't know if it was burial at sea. I don't know if they buried it somewhere or whatever. But... um. That's the beginning. Then they have the Marvel logo. Then we uh, get to a point where now Shuri is... Oh, no. The United Nations are meeting in Geneva. And then Angela Bassett shows up with her strong-ass arms. And she's like, yo, motherfuckers, we know that y'all think you can roll up on us because the child is dead. And you think you can just take vibranium? Y'all niggas don't even... Y'all don't even know what you're doing, right? And it has been revealed that France had sent in some um, soldiers to the out to a, like a Wakandan outpost to try to steal some vibranium, and the uh, Dory Milaje shows up and whoops their ass, and then they walk into the United Nations and they're like, "Oh, French lady, uh, yo, fucking mercenaries, we brought them back and keep them out of our backyard, basically." And Angela Davis is like, anybody thinks that they're just going to roll up on Wakanda like that? You got another thing coming, right? So, uh, she goes back to Wakanda. And then we find out that Shuri is like a workaholic at this point. She's just trying to, like, build defenses and make Wakanda better and build weapons and build suits or whatever. And her mom's like, yo, uh, let's take a break. Let's go, right? This is a year after they had the funeral with T'Challa, right? So they go, uh, they go, uh, they, they, they go out to the bush and they're reconnecting to nature, right? They're reconnecting to nature. But concurrently at the time, the fucking United States and the CIA, they found some Wakanda in the ocean and there was this machine that was built that detects that to detects vibranium. Did I say what kind in the ocean? I meant vibranium. Vibranium in the ocean. And they get attacked by these sea people. And um, they get the asses whipped by these sea people. And this, the leader of the sea people called Namor or Tuku Khan, which is the name the homies call him, Tuku Khan, he goes to Wakanda, and he, while uh, Shuri and Angela Bassett, her name is Queen Ramuda, but I'm going to call her Angela Bassett. Shuri and Angela Bassett 
chilling in the bush with the elephants and they're just connected to nature. He shows up in the wire and he's like, yo, um, Wakanda, you know, vibranium's a Wakandan thing. Uh, T'Challa told the world that vibranium was here and now they want vibranium. So y'all need to do something about this or I'm going to have to do it for you and it ain't going to be pretty. Um, so then they have this conversation with the council and they're like, yo, there was this, there was this sea Mexican that showed up and he threatened to do something to Wakanda. If we didn't help him out, what are we going to do? And then Winston Duke walks in and he's like, yo, we need to go kill this nigga. <laughs> uh, actually what Namor said, he said, you need to find the scientist who made the machine that detected the vibranium. Uh, so that I don't have to do it and take Wakanda down with me. So they go. So Shuri and Okoye go to MIT in Cambridge, Massachusetts to find that it's Riri Williams that built it. It's a black girl, right? She's a black girl from Chicago. She's a genius, right? And she, uh, you know, Shuri shows up. And it, what's funny is they treated Riri Williams like she saw the first Black Panther. You know, like in this world, Wakanda exists, so they know about Wakanda and shit. But they talk, like when Shuri shows up, she's like, oh shit, it's Princess Shuri from Black Panther. And um, basically, she's like, yo, you need to come with us because there's people out here trying to kill you. And then a huge chase happens. You know, the FBI's there. Then all of a sudden, the sea people show up. And they, uh, they, uh, there's this fight with, uh, Okoye and, 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 uh, I don't know, uh, see, nigga. And, and, um, they ended up getting Riri and they get Shuri, take them down to, um, in the comments that it's Atlantis, but in the movie, they can't call it Atlantis because I think another company owns the rights or something. Um, what's the name, what's the name of the, uh, what's the name of the place? Okay, um, take him down to, what the fuck is the name of the place? What the, is the name of the, oh, Togokan, okay. So they can't call it Atlantis, so it's called Togokan. So Togokan, um, which is a secret underwater nation. Anyway, they take him down there, and basically, uh, uh, no more. It's like, yo, let me show you Sh Princess Shuri. Let me show you um, my kingdom, so you know all. So you see the people, and you know how why I need to protect. So he shows him, and she's like, oh man, this place is beautiful, or whatever, right? And you think they're about to fuck, but they don't because he's like, yo, if you uh want to help we can go up and we can destroy all the white folks all the white folks are trying to kill us we need to fucking kill them all just like kill them all. she's like no there's another way we can do this we need to do this in a peaceful way uh and he's like no you stupid so lupita nyango's fine ass shows up and she helps um riri and shuri escape she kills like one of the people she kills like two of the to see people, and then they're like, oh, shit, nigga, it's war, right? So then the sea Mexicans, 
go to Wakanda and they flood Wakanda and they kill a bunch of people, including Angela Bassett. So somehow, so they kill Angela Bassett and Shuri is like, my brother's dead. My father's dead. Angela Bassett's dead. I'm angry. So, um, she finally creates a synthetic heart-shaped herb, and she drinks it, and she goes to the ancestral plane, and she's expected to see either her mother or her brother to give her advice, but no, Killmonger's there, and he's like, yo, it's time for you to fuck this world up. All Your whole family's dead. Your whole family's dead. It's time for you to fuck these niggas up. So then she comes out and she's like, she's like, my family abandoned me and all that shit. And Lupita the young girl's like, yo, calm down, whatever, right? And then she punches uh, uh, like a suit and she's real strong. And they're like, oh, it's time for you to get a suit, Shuri. So she puts on this new Black Panther suit and everyone's like, oh shit, the Black Panther's here. Um, so then she's like, she goes to Winston Duke, who is now like the acting king or whatever. And she's like, yo, we need to go kill these sea uh, Mexicans. And Winston Duke's like, uh, well, no, that's not, like, that's not, like, we, we're Wakandans. Like, we don't just go kill people. She's like, no, I'm the motherfucking Black Panther now. I want Namor's head on a fucking silver platter, and you're going to help me do it. My family's dead. My mom's dead. My brother's dead. My, my brother, uh, uh, my father's dead. Everybody's dead. I'm Black Panther now. We're going to go get these sea Mexicans. So they get this Wakandans. They get this big old Wakanda ship. And they set a trap up for the Sea Mexicans, and the Sea Mexicans show up, and uh, they use their weapons, and there's this big fight on the ship and shit. And then um, uh, Riri Williams gets like a new like Iron Man suit, and she's helping them fight and all that stuff. And then uh, her and Namor on the beach, and they're fighting each other, and she's like, <laughs> she. I mean, the fight should have like killed them both. Like it didn't. So they fight. And then at the end of the fight, Namor's basically, like, defeated by Shuri. And then they decide to have an alliance between Tolokan and Wakanda. And then Shuri goes to Haiti, where Lupita Nyong'o lives. And we find out that Lupita, Lupita has a son, and he's T'Challa's son. So her and T'Challa, like, either were married or they hooked up or they were they had a relationship because he knew he was sick. Like, T'Challa was like Nick Cannon. And he's like the Nick Cannon of the MCU, right? He's like, he's like, yo, I'm sick. So I need to have some kids because I'm not going to be here for a while. So he had a kid with Lupita. And she's like, yeah, he knew he was sick and he prepared us for his death and all that shit. This is his son. And his name's like, my name is Toussaint because I'm Haitian. Uh, and then he's like, no, actually, my real name. He's like, actually, my real name is T'Challa Jr. So now the new Black Panther is probably going to be Haitian. And that's what happens in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Now. When I first saw the movie, there were a few things that I did not like about the movie. First, I did not like the length. I was like, this is long as fuck. I don't know why this movie needs to be this long. Um, 
Then when they introduced Riri Williams, okay, so the thing about like Riri Williams, and this is probably like my own prejudice against it, is every black American in Black Panther movies are like hood as fuck. Like in the first week, Killmonger's like, you know what I'm saying? I'm from Oakland, bitch. Like, that's like what Killmonger was like, right? When everyone in Wakanda was like, we are Wakandan. Or they're like Shakespearean and shit. But all the black Americans are all like hood, right? And that's the same way I felt about Riri Williams when I first met her. She was like, yo, son, like, I'm from Chicago. You, you heard? I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know how to talk like this. But I was like, yo, why, how come Riri Williams got to be hood, though? She's a genius. How come she got to be hood? What part of Chicago is she from? Southside? What's going on? Over time, by the fourth time I saw the movie, I love Riri Williams. Like, the first three times, because I know they're making a show called Ironheart, which, which like, stars Riri Williams. I was like, yo, how the fuck? Why is she? Like, I don't know if I can take, like, a whole show of her talking like this. But by the fourth time, I was like, yo. I like this woman. And the reason and the reason I liked her the fourth time is because because I actually started listening to the things she was saying. She was funnier the fourth time because I kind of by by the fourth time I had seen it, I already seen it. So I already had all my expectations went away and I knew what I was getting. And it was just me like watching the movie again. And I really, I really started listening to what she was saying. I was like, yo, I know people like this. And I also think it's cool that they're showing that there are people that might not have grown up with the greatest circumstances that are also smart. Because th to be honest with you, the media doesn't betray us like that at all. Like this hip-hop culture and stuff, they don't, they really don't be champion, um intelligence too much i was listening to the radio the other day every song that came on every new rap song that came on sounds stupid and it's like a remake it's like a remake of like a song that already exists it sounds dumb i'm looking at you drake but i really i really enjoyed her character like the fourth time i saw it now if you notice there's white characters in the in the movie that I didn't even mention in my synopsis or my summary of the movie. Because to be honest with you, they didn't need to be there. There was no reason for them to actually be in the fucking movie. Um, Everett Ross, Martin Freeman, The Hobbit, who was in the first Black Panther, it was in it, and it was like, ugh, like I didn't, I didn't need you there. Talk about, oh. I'm a CIA agent. I work for the United. Shut the fuck up. You're from Ireland or something, uh, Martin Freeman, or English. He's he's like from England. Um, he was like on the first. He was like on the Ricky Ricky Gervais version of The Office. If you don't know who Martin Freeman is, and you still might not because who watched the Ricky Gervais version of The Office? And then you had Julius. Uh, Dreyfus's character, uh, Valentina Allegra de Fortaine, Fontaine, which I don't know, that sounds like a Hispanic name to me. I don't know why she's being played by Julia Lewis Dreyfus. Um, I mean, look, it made 
it made sense. It made sense because of what they're trying to set up in the MCU. Um, I mean, now keep in mind, I've worked on MCU films, and I'm currently working on MCU films and stuff like that. And I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything. But I'm saying is them being in the movie for the grand scheme of things, it's a way for them to connect it back to the MCU. I personally didn't think they needed to be in the movie. I still don't think they need to be in the movie. They could have did a Black Panther movie that just existed with everybody else and we didn't need these fucking white characters in it. But I do believe that Vibranium is going to have some play in the MCU. Because keep remember, Captain America's shield was made from Vibranium. And there's some other components, weapons and stuff that exist in the MCU that are made from Vibranium. So Wakanda is a very important is a very important component to this story. I look forward to a Black Panther where it's the Wakandans versus white people. I would love to see that movie. I don't know why every time someone is like, yo, we should go fuck up these, we should go fuck up the United States. They don't ever say yes. Um, so I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But uh, the, the Julia uh, Lewis uh, Dreyfus character, if you are an MCU fan, you've seen her before. She first appeared in um, The Falcon and Winter Soldier when uh, John Walker became U.S. agent or whatever his name is. And um, uh, she came in when he lost the title of Captain America. She was also in the post credit scene um, in Black Widow. And she's appeared in this movie. And she's probably, she's basically the CIA. She's the female Nick Fury. So there's going to be something probably like, probably like the Thunderbolts or something, you know, Thunderbolt Ross. So, I mean, it's going to have something to do, you know, Harrison Ford is playing Thunderbolt Ross now. So, I mean, we might see something from her maybe in, like, Captain America 4 or, like, the th definitely the Thunderbolts movie. Like, this is all leading to something. So, it's going to be interesting to see uh, where, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where this movie in particular leads the MCU. But then at the same time, I really don't give a fuck about this. I don't give a fuck about the MCU, to be honest with you. So, I don't really give a fuck about these characters. Angela Bassett deserves an Oscar. She was magnificent in this movie. I'm quite pissed that they killed her off, but she was fantastic as Queen Ramunda. With her big old arms, the emotion, her white hair, her arrogance, how proud she is of being Wakanda and Wakanda. The drama... Fucking loved, I fucking loved uh, Angela Bassett. All the people, everyone did amazing in this movie. Letitia Wright did amazing. Lupita Nyong'o was great, looked sexy as hell. Uh, Danny Guerrera as a Collier was great. Winston Duke, fucking loved him. Funny. Again, Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams, she did fine. 
uh, Michaela Cole. She really didn't have a lot of lines. I, I'm a big fan of Michaela Cole. If you ever checked her out on uh, I Will May Destroy You or Chewing Gum, she's great. Uh, the, the guy that played Namor, um, Tonic Huerta Mejia, he was great. Um, but Angela Bassett deserves an Oscar. She does. She does. She deserves an Oscar, a million and one percent. Um, and I think she's dominated for a Golden Globe, which is cool. Um, overall, I thought the movie was fine. I thought the movie was fine. I thought it was a little long. Um, this is, okay, so this is the part, so this is, okay, so this is the part that some might disagree with. The performances and the plot to me was so intriguing in the first two acts that I forgot it was a Black Panther movie. Like, I enjoyed watching the inner turmoil of Shuri. I enjoyed watching Angela Bassett's performance. I enjoyed watching the drama that was happening within the Wakandans as they were trying to pull the pieces together. But when Shuri put on the Black Panther suit... That's when I was taken out the movie because I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is actually a black. This is a Black Panther movie. Oh, shit. I forgot. And when she became when Shuri became Black Panther, that's when I started missing Chadwick. Because I was like this. She is no T'Challa. The fact that, she, you know, she's like she did the um, Bombay and I was just like, OK, this isn't I don't. I don't know. Maybe she's too skinny. I don't know what it is, but I'm just like, I just didn't, I didn't believe her as the Black Panther. Like, everything else, I was like, yo, I'm down for all of this shit. But when she became Black Panther, I was like, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm ready for, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is it, right? And then they had, she had to fight with Namor, and it should have killed her. Like, there's literally a scene where he takes a spear and he stabs the spear, like, through her spine. Like, he, he stabs her, like, right in the stomach and it goes, like, all the way through her. And she pulls herself off of it. And I don't know if it, like, immediately healed her or what, but it should have killed her. Or at least made her paralyzed from the waist down. And I was like, there's no way that this woman, who's 90 pounds, is going to kick this sea Mexican's ass. No way. Absolutely no way at all. So it took me out. That part took me out of the movie. Now, probably what's going to happen is the son, T'Challa Jr., is probably, they're probably going to age him up probably 10 or 15 years by the time we get to the next movie and he'll be the Black Panther. So I guess I can accept it in the sense that she's kind of like a placeholder. And another thing, too, is she wasn't really the Black Panther. The movie, so the movie isn't like really about the Black Panther. Like the movie is really about Wakanda, because she wasn't even she wasn't even Black Panther for that long. Like the movie's almost three hours long, and she was Black Panther maybe like the last like twenty minutes maybe. So that's a testament to how good the movie is without, like, the superhero 
element in it, if that makes any sense. But, um, I don't know. That's what I thought of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Uh, if you, you know, I'm sure it's going to be on Disney Plus soon, so you can also check that out. But, um, I enjoyed the film. I recommend it. I think I'm going to do more movie reviews, actually, on the show. I actually enjoy, I actually enjoy doing movie reviews. I mean, politics and stuff is cool, but I really like the idea of, uh, of doing movies, um, doing movie reviews. Um, thank you so much for uh, checking out this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you, I, I would love to get your thoughts on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It's been a while. It's been a month. So let's have an open discussion down at the bottom in the comment section. I will engage. Um, also, uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe, uh, hit that bell for notifications. Follow me on Instagram, Keenan J. Floyd. Uh, Twitter, Keenan J. Floyd. Stay with us. Check out the link to my website, to the tickets, to the ticket Eventbrite so that you guys can get your tickets for the Bicennial Millennial Comedy Tour that's going to be taking place next year. I'm very excited. I'm going to come with everything that I got in this comedy game. Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next time. I've been Kenny Jerome Floyd, and this has been Cultured.